Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. How are you and others like you spending your money? Where are the most expensive cities for living well? And how should you protect your purchasing power today against a complex economic backdrop? These are questions that are no doubt on your mind. And luckily for you, we at Julius Baer have published an entire report on these very topics. Our Global Wealth and Lifestyle Report is back for 2023 with its signature in-depth research into the what, where and how much of living well today. I'm now delighted to present a twist on our usual episode format. My co-host John Franklin is in the hot seat across from me today. John is Editor-in-Chief of the Global Wealth and Lifestyle Report, and he knows all about the real story behind the numbers. So let's dig in. John, how are you feeling about sharing the details of this report, which you and the publications team have spent so many months preparing? Hello, Grace. Well, I must say it's slightly surreal to be on the receiving end of your interrogation, but I've been swatting up, so feeling ready to face uh, the barrage of questions on this report. I'm very glad to hear that. And for myself, having read last year's One Front to Back, I'm really excited to hear your answers for, for this year. So for someone listening who has never heard of this report, can you tell us what it's about and how it can offer us some really fascinating insight into wealth and lifestyle? Of course. So what began over a decade ago in Asia, the Global Wealth and Lifestyle Report is now in its fourth global year, and it analyzes the changes in the cost of living well in 25 cities around the world. It does that by using the lifestyle index of goods and services that represent discretionary purchases of high net worth individuals. And it provides an overview of the relative cost of maintaining the lifestyle of an affluent consumer in various major urban centers. Uh, for the second year now, we have added the lifestyle survey, which supports the index with qualitative analysis of the personal habits and sentiments of high net worth individuals. And together, these provide insight into the lifestyles, habits and priorities of Julius Baer's client and prospective client demographic around the world. Okay. And so you have been poring over this data about the most expensive cities in which to live well, cost of luxury items, um, and also the spending intentions and financial attitudes of these high net worth individuals. But I'd like to get into the what has arguably become the most popular topic of the report, and that is the city rankings. So what changes have you seen in the last year? Have there been any interesting shifts and who is coming out on top this time? Yes, indeed, the eagerly anticipated city rankings. So the 25 cities in the index represent major commercial centers and key areas of business for Julius Baer across Asia Pacific, the Americas, both North and South, Europe, the Middle East and Africa. And this year's findings reconfirm Asia's importance as a center for the wealthy. It remains the most costly region in which to live well for the fourth year in a row. And for the first time, Singapore is the highest ranking city in the lifestyle index, having climbed from fourth last year. This is then followed by last year's leader Shanghai and Hong Kong in third to make up a fully Asian podium. And for the first time since the report went global, Europe, the Middle East and Africa is the most affordable region in which to live well this year, with European cities such as Barcelona, Frankfurt and Milan dropping down the rankings. London, last year's second place, has fallen to fourth and apart from Monaco holding firm in sixth, Britain's capital is the only European city left in the top ten. 
However, experiencing one of the most significant jumps this year, Dubai has raced into the top 10, stealing Zurich's seventh place and relegating the Swiss city to its former position of 14th. And just finally in the Americas, New York has made a significant climb to 5th from 11th, Miami rises to 8th from 10th, and the Brazilian metropolis of Sao Paulo has become the first South American city to break into the top 10 in 9th place. We have also added Santiago de Chile this year, uh, and that joins in 23rd place. So this return to form of both North and South American urban centres means the Americas have overtaken Europe, the Middle East and Asia, as uh, and Africa, sorry, as the second most expensive region overall. Okay, and now the way that these cities are ranked is by the changes in price of a selection of premium goods and services, right? So what are these and what are the cost increases or decreases that are standing out to you this time around? Our Lifestyle Index looks at a basket of discretionary goods and services that affluent consumers buy and use. Uh, Anecdotally, these range from residential property and luxury cars to lawyers, ladies' handbags, commercial flights, hotel suites, uh, and fine dining, for example. And compared to 12 months ago, the overall price for our index has increased on average by 13% in local currencies in the cities we survey and by 6% in US dollars overall, although there are some individual items that experience small declines. Now, the greatest price increases are in high-demand premium consumables, such as wine and whiskey, as well as luxury cars and hospitality services. Hotel suites, business class flights and fine dining all experienced significant price increases in the last year as the demand for travel and entertainment has surged. But overall, the cost of services grew more than the cost of goods uh, and the price changes of both goods and services in the index show the impact of a general set of conditions that the whole world is experiencing. These are increased energy, raw material uh, and staffing and running costs, and coupled with inflation and currency fluctuations, as well as some ongoing supply chain disruption, this means that every industry, business and consumer is feeling the effects on their purchasing power. We'll get into the reasons behind those changes a little more later on, but let's have a closer look at the specific cities. So you said Singapore has topped the rankings for the first time. So how has this come about? If we look at Asia-Pacific, Hong Kong and Singapore are both centres of trade and commerce in the region. But as financial centres, Hong Kong's proximity to China has ensured uh, it has remained the largest centre of wealth. However, Singapore has emerged over the past decade as a centre of the global private banking industry, an attractive hub for high net worth individuals, and has long been considered livable, stable and cosmopolitan. Um, And actually, its status as one of the first places in Asia to reopen its borders during the pandemic means it has proved popular with new arrivals, making it an excellent regional hub for both investors and foreign residents. Uh, In the state itself, the government has worked hard to create an attractive environment to live uh, and high net worth individuals have taken note. But this attractiveness is reflected in the prices that local consumers now face. Um, And in terms of specific factors, Demand for accommodation is extremely high, school places are at a premium, and the general cost of living is significant with a notable tax on cars. But Singapore still remains incredibly attractive uh, and is likely to vie for the top spot for the coming few years. Given this rise, does that mean that the other two Asian cities that we see on the podium, Shanghai and Hong Kong, have they become more affordable? No, in essence. Uh, Hong Kong might have been eclipsed in the city rankings this year by Singapore, but that does not mean it is fading from influence on the global stage. 
It still holds greater total assets under management than Singapore. Uh, and its proximity to now fully reopened China means that its economy is predicted to grow faster than Singapore's this year. However, for wealthy consumers in the city, prices of goods and services have risen around 13% on average in local currency. So you're going to feel that impact as a consumer. Um, and only the cost of laser eye surgery, um, an MBA and residential property have slipped marginally. Although housing remains the priciest in Asia and some of the most expensive globally. Um, Shanghai still remains a very expensive city, even though it has slidden into second place. Uh, and average prices there have risen only 3%. It's potentially because of the lingering pandemic restrictions. They were only lifted at the start of 2023 fully. Um, and I'm sure that we will see the city vying for the top spot in the years to come as the Chinese economy recovers. And so if we're looking to some of the other regions covered, we have um, Europe, Middle East and Africa. And there, Dubai is seeing one of the biggest rises into the top 10. So what has happened there? Yes, Dubai is the star performer in this year's Lifestyle Index. It's vaulted into the global top 10 for the first time and directly switched places with Zurich. Of course, this climb up the ranking means it is now costing wealthy residents more to maintain their lifestyles. And it has become... Uh, the most expensive in the region for eight of the 20 index items, notably across fashion and luxury accessories. Now, although prices for hotel suites have rebalanced since a huge rise in 2022 as a result of keeping borders open during the pandemic, fine dining has seen a marked increase of almost 200% year on year. And this reflects not just increased property rents um, and operating and food costs, but also the very strong rebound in Dubai's hospitality and tourism sector, as it looks increasingly to become a centre of tourism in the region. Uh, and now, although prime residential property rose by 44% in the last year, which was the highest increase of all cities that we survey, it is still relatively affordable on a global scale, as it ranks only 14th out of 25 cities. If we think more generally, as exemplified by the pandemic uh, or during the pandemic, Dubai is taking a proactive but practical approach to attracting wealthy residents and their assets. One particular way is with the Golden Visa Scheme for long-term residency. And it's also an increasingly important centre for wealth management. And it supposedly saw the greatest inflows of millionaires from any country in 2022. So by offering this tax-friendly regime and investment incentives, as well as high standards of living, and great global connectivity, Dubai looks set to remain a fixture in the higher end of our rankings for a while. And you mentioned London earlier, um, which was previously ranked second and has slipped this year. So why was that and what does it show about the, the region as a whole? Well, following its leap onto the podium uh, in second place last year, London's reputation as a centre of wealth and lifestyle has lost a bit of its shine in the last 12 months. It remains attractive due to a higher quality of life and the economic opportunities uh, therein. But stubborn inflation, government turmoil uh, and ongoing post-Brexit disruptions mean it is being outpaced by its Asian counterparts. However, London is not the UK as a whole. And prices for almost all services in the index are the most expensive in the region, while residential property, as I'm sure many listeners will know, is the fourth most expensive in the world. Now, with inflation in England hitting a 40-year high in 2022, prices for the wealthy in London have risen almost 15% on average in pounds sterling. 
Aside from whiskey, which has seen prices rise globally due to uh, a limited supply and high demand, and also you can't rush making whiskey, hotel suites and business class flights have seen the biggest increases, rising around 35% year on year in local currency. So although it is one of the prices markets for residential property and there are some disadvantages, the city does offer pockets of affordability and the price of cars and health insurance is notably lower than global rivals. Um, it might be slightly outpaced by other global cities currently, but it remains a huge financial centre with a high quality of life and great culture, and it can still draw in wealthy residents with its relative stability and security. And last but not least, the Americas. Um, we've seen North American cities rebound very strongly, um, but it's in South America that we see Sao Paulo becoming increasingly costly. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So for the first time since the report became global, the cost of living well in the Americas has increased relative to Europe, the Middle East and Africa, pushing it into second place. Uh, we can attribute this rise to the climb in the rankings of New York, Sao Paulo and Miami. For example, in 2022, there were no cities from the Americas in the top 10. This year, there are three, including Sao Paulo, the first South American city to make it into the top 10. Across the region, it's incredibly broad, stretching from north to south, so take it with a pinch of salt. The average price increase of goods and services has risen around 12%, uh, which is the lowest of all regions. But the resoundingly strong performance of the dollar in 22 exponentially weakened the performance of other major local currencies. It is worth mentioning that US headline inflation fell dramatically in the second half of 22 while major Latin economies tighten monetary conditions early and aggressively to control it. So although increased prices remain a strain on the cost of living for all, consumer spending, in the US at least, has returned to pre-pandemic levels. Now, if we look at Sao Paulo, since its rise from 21st in 2021 to 12th in 22, Sao Paulo has this year, as I said, become the first South American city to reach the top 10 at 9th. Brazil's financial centre is the most expensive city in our index for the majority of imported goods, such as bicycles, treadmills and technology, as well as handbags and, and men's suits, other fashion accessories, partly because the overall tax burden in Brazil is extremely high compared to other countries featured. The average local currency price of our overall basket has experienced one of the biggest rises of all of the cities, almost 20%. Now, this is despite some strong decreases. Sao Paulo is one of the biggest contrasts that we see with the results. Um, cars have dropped in price about, about 40%. Fine dining has dropped about 30% and lady shoes about 15%. So while these goods remain expensive relative to other cities in the index, significant pockets of affordability can be found. Prime real estate represents a huge portion of the result because it's such a large purchase and Sao Paulo's affluent residential neighborhoods rank as some of the cheapest in all of the cities surveyed. I mean, by comparison, Miami's property prices have risen 22%, Sao Paulo only 5 So life in Sao Paulo is undoubtedly costly, but it also is more contrasting than most other cities and significantly cheaper than the global average for some serious costs such as prime property, fine dining and legal services. Um, and why, while higher levels of crime mean personal protection is on many wealthy residents' minds, the vibrant culture and spirit of the Paulistanos, as well as Brazil's economic potential, will be an increasing draw in years to come.
Okay, it's it's really really interesting to to see uh, these shifts. And turning now to the goods and services um, that make up the lifestyle index of the report, you mentioned earlier that the cost of services grew more than the cost of goods. Uh, but from your findings, no matter where you look, really, we're seeing the impact of things like increased energy costs, uh, which is in turn affecting purchasing power. So tying into that in your index, what are the, the big movers and shakers uh, this year? Are there many significant changes or underlying trends that they're reflecting? As you mentioned there, Grace, there is a complicated backdrop to a lot of these changes. Um, As we all know, the cost of living is increasing, no matter what level of consumer you are. For our lifestyle index, the overall trend in the last 12 months is that prices are rising and the cost of living is increasing for affluent consumers. Um, This increased by 6% in US dollars on average and 13% in local currencies, as I mentioned earlier. And broadly, this is due to persistent high rates of global inflation. Um, and the industrial increased costs that you mentioned. Moreover, consumer demand uh, is a factor here. Pent up over the pandemic, this has increased dramatically in a lot of areas. And some of the largest increases are in luxury consumables, such as the whiskey and wine uh, that I mentioned, as well as cars, flights and hotels. The last two of these can be explained by the knock-on effects of the pandemic. Both demand and costs in travel and hospitality are high, And the world is on the move again as people seek entertainment and social experiences and to enjoy their freedom while they can. Okay, and like you said, consumable products like wine and whiskey are seeing um, such a huge jump. Can you tell us um, why that is? You mentioned earlier that you can't rush whiskey. So uh, what can you say about that? Whiskey and wine are always slight uh, esoteric results in this index because the, the products that lie behind them as representative of the category have seen sharp rises in price. Um, And at the high end, which the products we study are, there is considerable rarity value and constrained supply. Um, You can speculate on the prices, you can see them as collectibles. We don't in this instance, uh, but that can also drive um, varying pricing in different markets around the world, depending on availability. Yes, you can't rush whiskey. It will be produced uh, in the amount of time that it takes. Wine, to a similar extent, when you're looking at vintage wines, Uh, And also there is even a climate change element here. Grape harvests are suffering the effects of rising temperatures. The yields are lower. So there is less wine, uh, certainly fine wine being produced in some areas. And in some countries, there are punitive taxes on alcohol, for example, that will drive the prices. Um, But those, as I said, are slightly esoteric results every year in this index. And then travel and hospitality, they seem to be getting significantly more expensive too. So what are the reasons there? Travel and hospitality had an absolutely abysmal pandemic. Not that anyone had a fun one, but when their industries were unable to operate, profits were destroyed, businesses closed. I think we all heard stories of the devastation that was wrought on those two two industries during that time. Travel is rebounding very strongly. Um, We all have seen prices of flights increase hugely. This is due to increased fuel costs, increased staffing costs, the general um, combination of things that are driving many price increases. There is also a constraint on the supply. There are only so so many planes in action and so many flights that are on offer. Uh, And people are ticking things off their list. They want to go places. They want to reconnect with friends, family, have social experiences, uh, see the world. 
hospitality. It is very much a case of making hay while the sun shines. You don't want your favorite restaurant to go out of business again or close down or not be able to go to bars and hotels that you enjoy. Uh, and again, their costs are increasing. And we can't overlook the important profit sharing element that many businesses are going through because they had no profit during a couple of years of the pandemic. And so they are making sure that their businesses are good for the long term. And luxury goods companies, they're obviously seeing um, quite a rise in price and profitability. Um, how do you see this reflected in the results of the report? Luxury goods companies are booming. And this shows that the luxury consumption element of uh, consumer discretionary purchases is not going away. And actually, it is a lot of the younger generations who are anecdotally driving this, it seems. Um, but if we look at the results in the index that we have, fashion and luxury goods, or certainly fashion and accessories using leather, have seen price increases in raw materials. The cost of uh, fine leather has gone up markedly. And also there is an element of retaining brand exclusivity here. That means uh, many of the luxury brands do put their prices up regularly in order to maintain the prestige and uh, the sort of desirability of their products. Then also this is coupled with consumer demand again. Um, people also want to look good when they're going out, when they're seeing their friends, when they are enjoying uh, some, of the some of the things that they couldn't do when there were still lasting pandemic restrictions. The report also includes a, a lifestyle survey looking at the changes in consumption patterns and lifestyle habits and the attitudes of wealthy individuals against um, such a backdrop of, uh, you know, the cost of living crisis, the energy costs, inflation and unrest in several parts of the world. So how are people's consumption and lifestyle habits changing? This year, we see that wealth continues to take on a broader meaning. It's no longer just about financial health, freedom and security but also physical health, freedom and security. Having come through the pandemic, the respondents to our survey say that maintaining their and their family's health and well-being is a huge priority. And this future-proofing of body and mind also extends to building better relationships with your friends and family, a high priority in all the regions we survey, particularly given the detachment that we all felt during pandemic restrictions. Taking care of family and health doesn't mean that high net worth individuals just want to stay at home, however, uh, and this big lifestyle shift shows that after several years of being constrained, they want to go out. They're ready to enjoy themselves. So this tallies with the increased prices and increased demand in the entertainment, hospitality uh, and sort of social experience industries. They want to treat themselves, as I mentioned previously, to luxury goods and premium services. And they are racking up the air miles again in a pronounced return to the skies. We did mention travel um, briefly earlier in terms of costs, but in terms of actual spending intentions and consumer habits, can you take a closer look at what's happening with travel in the report? Yes. So high net worth individuals are resoundingly on the move again. Travel for both leisure and work is on the up and respondents are increasingly spending more money on flights. This is a trend that's particularly strong in Asia Pacific and the Middle East. And leisure has seen the greatest increase in demand led by Asia Pacific, Europe and the Middle East. And this looks set to remain strong for the next 12 months. People still have that pent up wanderlust and must see destinations to visit. Now, given the size of the Asia-Pacific region, flying tends to be more common between destinations than in Europe, where there are alternatives such as rail uh, that are more accessible. While as one of the world's busiest hubs, travel and far and wide is within easy reach of the Middle East. 
Additionally, airlines underestimated the resurgence in demand, and many have drastically increased their fares to compensate. And this is one of the reasons why people are having to spend more on fulfilling their travel desires. A quick side note about business travel, and contrary to many predictions, this has increased in all regions significantly, apart from Europe and North America. Um, it also looks set to continue growing in the coming years. So comparing the two, leisure travel was by far the priority in the last 12 months, uh, whereas business travel saw strong demand from both the Middle East and Latin America. And while the vast majority of air travel is commercial flights, interestingly, private aircraft and private charter service use is decreasing across all regions except Latin America. We hear an awful lot about the rise of private jets, but this still represents a very small, very elite segment of affluent travellers. Just a quick look at other modes of transport. Road transportation is markedly on the up. Uh, here again, respondents in Asia Pacific have increased their use of all forms of vehicle. And despite a push towards more envi environmentally friendly options such as public transport or bikes, uh, it seems people still prefer their own vehicles, maybe for the privacy and flexibility they offer. Uh, and just finally on electric vehicles and their uptake, it's still the use of petrol or diesel that we are seeing dominate across all regions. Uh, however, about half of the respondents in Asia Pacific and about 40% in, in Latin America are increasing their use of eco-friendly vehicles. So still great potential to come there. Okay. And if we take a look at the attitudes of wealthy individuals, are there any marked changes in their priorities? So in their personal and in their financial approaches? Yes, I think perhaps as a, a reflection of post-pandemic uncertainty, being prepared for anything unexpected in the future, people want to take the opportunity to invest more, with very few of those who responded to our survey investing less. Uh, yet given the rising cost of living across the globe, many, the vast majority, are also having to spend more to sustain their lifestyles. Now, if we consider where these high net worth individuals invest, um, North Americans and Europeans have tended to be more conservative and they've not changed the diversity and focus of their assets in the last 12 months. They tend to prioritize equities and real estate, potentially to mitigate against the effects of future inflation. Uh, across the other regions, portfolios are more diversely spread. And while all regions see increasing their wealth as their primary objective, don't we all, high net worths in Asia Pacific and the Middle East also appear interested in investing in future trends and aligning their investments with their personal values. Okay, and as you mentioned there, personal values. Is there evidence that people are becoming more sustainable in their approaches to life and their values? Yes, but uh, there's a noticeable say-do gap here between intention and action. And while sustainability is seen as an important topic in our lives, we all know the need to act more sustainably. It doesn't appear to play the biggest role in everyday lives and everyday purchasing decisions. For the moment, at least, these are enjoyment, distraction. If we look at goods, it's innovation and design that are the bigger influences. The most eco-conscious of all regions, according to our survey, is the Middle East. And they try to use a lot of sustainable materials uh, in the products that they buy and have around the house, while around half of the respondents try to use renewable energy where possible. So it's not just a case of recycling every week and saying, you live a green lifestyle. There are many more ways that people can incorporate sustainability into their everyday lives, and hopefully those will continue coming in the future. What is encouraging is that environmental, social, and governance considerations, so the widely touted ESG considerations, do play an increasingly important role in investment decisions. 
And the vast majority of all respondents to the survey see the importance of these. Uh, this is particularly strong in Latin America, Asia Pacific, and the Middle East. North America is a slight outlier here. Um, they consider it not as important as other regions, but still a vast majority do. And it seems that these investments in sustainability today can ultimately lead to significant positive impact in the future, which can only be a good thing. And results aside, how is this report useful for wealthy individuals and what insights um, can listeners take away from today's episode? I think more than ever, the results this year underline the importance of a robust wealth management strategy. This is essential to support the needs of both the individual and their families for generations to come. We all know life has gotten a bit more difficult as well as more expensive. So as complexity grows across cities, continents, financial jurisdictions, whatever it may be, the value of a trusted partner by your side to navigate through this is incalculable. The overarching things that this report aims to underline as well are how important it is to be aware of your personal inflation rates. Now, we've mentioned it before on these podcasts. This means appreciating the changes in the price of goods and services that you buy regularly and ensuring that you have sufficient income or investment returns so as not to lose your purchasing power. Traditionally, the cost of living extremely well, we look at the cost of living well, but Forbes magazine has tracked the cost of living extremely well as part of their billionaires research for the past few decades. This cost has risen much faster than the general cost of living, meaning that the wealthy have to pay more than the average consumer to maintain their lifestyles. Interestingly, however, over the last 12 months, we have seen this gap close due to the extraordinary global inflationary environment. So the general cost of living has risen at a much faster rate than in previous years compared to that of affluent consumers. However, things are still on the rise. But the fact remains the same for every level of consumer. Be aware of the price of the things that you enjoy, be it baguettes or boats, so that you don't lose purchasing power. And of course, it is always advisable to invest in a diverse portfolio of assets and to remain invested for the long term. Very solid advice to end on. Thank you so much, John. And thank you for being our in-house expert today. Thank you very much for the grilling, Gray. That's all from us here in Zurich. And thank you to those listening. If you'd like to learn more about the findings of our Global Wealth and Lifestyle Report, you can download it in full using the link in our episode description. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the Beyond Markets podcast wherever you like to listen. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.